Like if you don't have a waiting audience already and you're playing and drawing fans, that could be a great trajectory. Like you could line up your producer engineering development curve with your artist curve and it could work out great. Welcome to You in the Music Business. Uh, where myself, Jessica Pearson, and co-host Sam Stone uh, throw questions at the lovely, beautiful, respectable, intelligent <laughs> Tara Shannon. That's me. And author of the book. <laughs> respectable. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Every time you add something new in. Remember I said yeah. I was going to continuously yes. add new creative ones. Not untrue. <laughs> This is very true. So we talk about the music business, things that have happened in the music business. We answer your questions, questions you've sent in, uh, any problems, issues, anything you're running into in the music business. Uh, we send it to our expert, Tara Shannon, and she gives the feedback. But we always start with, uh, on this day, Sam, bring it to us. I love you. You're like, oh, on this day. And it's like this big happy moment. I will say the on this day is is a somber on this day. Oh, okay. we're today. Sad. Um, so if you can believe it, it's been six years since on October 17th, 2017, Canadian rock icon Gord Downey died at the age of 53 <gasps> oh, no. following a two year so long ready. battle with brain cancer. Can you believe six it's been six years? years since that happened? Yeah, it feels, it feels like maybe one or two. Yeah. Max. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier than that. Uh, that loss is uh, felt oh. very deeply. Oh, through so. like all the communities and mm. throughout Canada, throughout the country, throughout multiple countries and i have to say sadly i never saw like the hip or, or either Downey play live and i'm very sad would be one of the biggest regrets of my life i think i share that one i'm trying to think i was gonna say me neither but i have a vague memory of maybe being at one of their shows but mm -hmm. um it could have been uh, maybe it was like a not their own concert but they were like a guest at an event or something that i was yeah, at or like I a just festival being, yeah sometimes the festivals in my mind get blurred too because yeah. i go to just i buy a ticket for a festival and i go to see everything yes yes and yeah there's so much awesome stuff but that i when remember I being struck it, sure. by his um uh, by the presence on stage and you're just you know sometimes you're just in the presence of an artist you just get that feeling that oh, it's just yeah. like otherworldly in a yes. way yeah. you yeah. know their ripple effect is just meant to be bigger you know you yeah. just feel it yeah. yeah like you playing with uh gourd right his name's gourd right the piano player uh, gordon moat gordon moat yes. like you say whenever you mm -hmm. when you see him play it's like a rip yeah that's uh, like i said there's a tear in the veil when he plays exactly. and mm -hmm. the spirit leaks into the room exactly <laughs> yeah. so Which i feel like gourd downey did something similar when he yeah. was on stage just his presence he was so grounded mm -hmm. in who he was and, and all the different things in activism that he did as well yeah. um with his music but also with his platform so i feel like there was just that when you saw when he came on stage that presence came with him yeah Absolutely. Yeah. That's a sad loss. Yeah, so six yeah. years. Six wild. I think we'll be feeling that one for decades. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Agreed. Absolutely. Okay. We're into stories. Let's get it. We're into stuff. What is our first question? First conundrum from the world? Okay. Well, this is like, I'm going to throw something out here. <laughs> something that happened back in 1997. Ooh. And it's interesting, and it's more to start the conversation. And I want to know what Tara thinks about it, and Love. what she would do if if an artist came and said, like, "Hey, if any of us did this? <laughs> I love it. I have this cool idea. What do you think? Okay, okay. 
1997, the Flaming Lips recorded a four-disc album titled Zyrica. I'm not sure if that's how you say it, but we're going to go with that. Uh, you can come at me in the comments if that's not how you say it. Um, the album's eight tracks were divided among the discs. So two tracks per on, disc. On per disc, okay? So two tracks what? on four discs. The four CD album was intended to be heard by playing all four CDs in four separate CD players simultaneously. Whoa. Okay. And I'll give you some more content. Okay. Well, first off, <laughs> I have an idea now. I want to try this. Oh, God. That sounds so cool. Or I need to find these four okay. CDs because I want to see what this sounds like. I know. I don't. I couldn't find out. I didn't do too much digging, but I couldn't find out if these actually got released i know or if this was because it says as part of the development of this project the band conducted a series of parking lot experiments and then later boombox experiments in the parking lot experiments up to 40 volunteers were given cassettes created by the band to be played at a parking lot in their car stereo systems simultaneously in the boombox experiments an orchestra composed of up to 40 volunteers with modified boombox type tape players were conducted directed to uh, vary the volume, speed, or tone of the tape they were playing, again composed by the band. Okay, whoa. That's amazing. You that, think that's amazing? See, I, I was I like, is this crazy? I have I have or multiple this- <laughs> I have multiple thoughts based on the hat that I'm wearing. So yes. <laughs> as an artist, I'm like amazing. Like the creativity and so just cool. the community. Well, building. that's the thing. There'd be so much yes. like press around oh, it potentially. Totally. But it's like, where do you walk the line as doing something like interesting and cool? Mm-hmm. And it just or is something just being like so ridiculous that I, the thing about I'm gonna guess their rock genre, flaming yeah, lips. Yeah, yeah, yes, okay. Yeah. Um what? How'd you get rock from <laughs> flaming lips? The thing about it is the genre really matters here this because they're like they're if you tap into that core niche fan base, they will go to the ends of the earth for you. And they would love to be involved in something like this. And this kind of thinking in today's music industry is what gets you momentum oh yeah and gets you thinking outside the box and connecting with your community and and because it's so oversaturated right now that you need something along with it can't just be band releases new music it can't be that anymore it's like because everybody and their dog is doing it so i love all of that now if i put my label hat on (laughs) i don't know maybe there's a cool it depends how you're promoting it and what era was this in this was, was in '97. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, if you could, if you could get the press excited about it and have the press there for you know a cool photo op, yeah. maybe that'd be great. But it'd be interesting though now too because this was like cassettes and CDs. Like, how would you? like everyone's streaming, right? And so or like downloading. Well, even those so- mediums, like my again, my engineering producer hat, which I don't wear very <laughs> often, but I have a piece of paper that says I'm one. Um, <laughs> that the technology would be a nightmare getting everybody to like it could so easily be a disaster because syncing it because speeds would be different and um especially using cassettes and cds i mean i could see cds but every the the precision you would need to start everything at the right time like there's a lot of problems oh yeah yeah for the experience but i a plus for the vision on the creative part of that experience yeah Yeah. well and then just what is it is the point just to say you did it or what if this just came to my mind what if it was like you bought a cd like you went in to buy the cd you could only buy one at a time 
and it there, it was like kind of like a Willy Wonka golden ticket situation. Yes. Like you didn't oh. like almost like collectors, like you didn't know which CD you were going to get. Right. Yeah. So like you had to get like at least four people with like the four different pieces of the puzzle. Oh, that's cool. To yeah. play it. Yeah. But then people would be mad because they'd be like, I bought CD number one f- four times. Or, or yeah, yeah. Or yeah, it's like mystery CD and you don't know. Like I love the idea of you having to find other fans that have like if you get yeah. mystery well, CD it. number Maybe three, like- you have to go find a one two yeah, and a four. you have to find yes. like yeah four pieces exactly. to then play it and yeah. hear the whole composition because again like there's so many and especially like we're talking about technology now there's so many cool different ways you can do it and i love that idea of like you get one and then you have to find someone else with it yeah and like there's so many different ways that you can do release wise of it like maybe it's like you only release some at certain times and like others and yeah, and like a listening party. Imagining, mm-hmm. imagine like having a listening party where it was like an in the round, but the audience was in the middle, and around you were like the different speakers. So you had the speakers coming from all different angles, playing all different things as a listening room. Yeah. Like, there's so many cool different ways you can go about it, and I think that's kind of touching on what you were saying, Tara. Like, there's so much stuff coming out and so much music coming yeah. out. You have to find a way to break through the noise, and mm-hmm. this is such a cool way to break through the noise yeah i am now gonna go look at this and try and find it because i want to know now if it was ever <laughs> it actually were, released or i mean it sense what i got when reading it was that it was like a failed experiment oh, oh, it was failed. but <laughs> i think Damn. maybe with like what we've talked about if if you changed like the perspective or the goal of yes. it it could be kind of fun yeah cool. it could yeah be really cool. but all that to say Thinking outside the box, finding ways to connect your community, finding cool ways to get your music out there. That is always encouraged and not just encouraged. Absolutely necessary. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's and especially when you're in like a group like that or you have some form of a team, whether it's you and maybe a partner that you work with together or you bounce ideas off of. It's so great to be able to work with other people to come up with things like this, because this is something that would catch the attention of press that would catch the attention of your fans. Right and kind of almost you can almost like scavenger hunt them Mm -hmm. like maybe in each okay what if like if there's like four different record (laughs) stores across every town that you release it to and only like every store gets only one of the albums right right so you kind of have to go on this scavenger hunt to the other stores to go and find where number two is and number three it'd be interesting to see what fans reactions would that would be to that now when you can just like grab your phone from your nightstand and shazam something to yeah. find out what it is and get and get the song immediately because we're in such an instant oh, yeah. uh, so consumer yeah. um sh- consumership of music right now so i don't know if people would find it fun or just annoying that they can't get <laughs> what know. they want right away i think i think there's a massive part of us consumers who are missing that part mm-hmm. missing the waiting missing the finding of something missing the standing in line like missing we've talked about this before like in the early season one where we talk about like the opening up the cd and taking out the pamphlet and looking at all the lyrics and the pictures like mm-hmm. there's this tangible like ritual that was about going in line getting a cd or a, or a cassette or a vinyl or something and bringing it home and listening to it from front to back and that ritual that we no longer have that i feel like people are starting to feel the missing of right so yeah. doing something mm-hmm. like this i feel like 
could inspire a lot of people to want to do it because it's something so out of the box and different mm -hmm. from what every single other person is doing. Yeah, they'd have to be really emotionally connected to that music already. Oh, yeah. And that would be like... Already have I mean, a look at, yeah. Like if Taylor it's Swift like did this. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Hi, Taylor Swift. We have ideas for you. <laughs> They're looking for a new marketing team. We're here. She can do anything. She can do anything. Yeah. But Her if she fan did this, base, holy uh, crap. Yeah, she, well, she's currently wrecking cities when she comes to town with well, her yeah, eras tour. <laughs> upsetting the, the balance. Every, actually, some really beautiful stuff is happening around that tour, which is just incredible. And and the, I don't know if you've been reading about it, but the, what they're, uh, some of the mandates from that tour about how they, um, how they're directing funds to um, homeless projects. Oh, yes, and, yes, yes. And like, and it's not like widely publicized, but you'll find like little mm -hmm. articles about it because obviously she's not doing it for that. But just really, I'm impressed. I'm, I mean, I'm always impressed by, by her in general, um, but I'm impressed at how, um, how the holistic nature and the understanding of moving a tour that massive yes. into a city and how disruptive it can be, but also the opportunities it affords mm -hmm. you and that it seems like her team and the people that sh are surrounding her are very um, holistic minded, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. They, exactly. Yeah. They took into accountability so many other things that a lot of tours forget about. Yeah. Like, bringing this in and having all this, the infrastructure, 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 infrastructure mm -hmm. to hold all these people who are coming to visit and coming yeah. to the show, but also being able to, and not being like, look at me, look at where this money's going. Like actually yeah. thinking about this and supporting underneath. So it's, it, the tour was thought out from literally the top to the and, bottom. And valuing the bottom up. So the, the blue yes. collar part of it, mm -hmm. you know, like the, inf like the people who are working, cause those crews are amazing. Ooh. When you think about, you know, they roll into town, they build this incredible thing and it's all of those technicians and stage crew workers oh, yeah. and truck drivers. Yeah. And, and the commitment. Know. Yeah. Cause at this point she'll like fly in for a weekend and fly out and go yeah. home for a few days or go off to do another project or whatever. But those people are in between, like yeah. driving hours, driving and, it all, days, and to there, they're probably it on the road for six months straight, yeah. if oh not more. Oh my gosh, yes, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty impressive. Wild. All right, okay. Well, Taylor Swift, we're ready for you. So, <laughs> whenever you would like to be a guest, the next era's <laughs> tour, we're ready. <laughs> all right, so we have a question that came in, a direct question. So. Are you ready? I'm, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> we got to have to focus. Focus, focus. Okay, got it. All right. So in preparing for my next project, I am wondering what is the best way to record and produce my music? So many of my friends seem to be producing their own projects from home, so I'm considering whether or not I should invest in a home studio or is it better to work with a professional studio? If I decide not to self-produce, how can I find the right producer or engineer for my project? Wow, there's a lot of that I was one. Say, one question, you mean 17. Did, break did, it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did they mention whether it was their first? Like, are they new to it? No, they don't say. Okay. So, I mean, generally speaking, yes, there's a reason why people are gravitating to setting up home studios and doing it themselves because you need to produce so much content these days to uh, work with these you know, algorithms and streaming platforms and stuff. And so it's, it's cost effective to be doing it yourself. Um, and it's really affordable, like great sounding um, recordings can be done on a, on a laptop in, in a home and you can learn how to do it. You can go to school for it, but you can also just spend some time on YouTube and get yeah. some really great advice. Mm -hmm. And if you dedicate it to and you do your, do your 10,000 hours, you know, yeah, you can be really great at it. 
and there's lots of benefits and it's economic benefits, but also creative benefits. You know, you're, you have free reign, you know, it's, it can be really, really great. If you're you not necessarily on a time crunch. Yeah. You can redo something exactly. a thousand times if you yeah. want. Exactly. So it, if you're, if your artist development curve, like if you don't have a waiting audience already and you're playing and drawing fans that could be a great trajectory like you could line up your producer engineering development curve with your artist curve and it could work out great um if you have an existing fan base already and you haven't developed that that skill set i you know recommend working with other professionals (laughs) as well and there are benefits whether you're starting out or not um Working with outside people offers new perspective, different creative ideas. You get a mashup of sounds. You get that sort of creative mind meld happening. Um, they, if It's a mentorship situation if you're working with somebody who's established, so you can learn a lot. Yep. And so you're paying for not only the service, but you're also learning through the process. So there's definitely pros and cons on both sides. Um, budget will drive a lot of it. Um, and I would just caution that if you are a newer artist and you're reaching out to a production team and they're quoting you, uh, please cross-reference that quote (laughs) with others and also talk to somebody who's a coach like me or lots of people do it and just ask, is this normal, you know, to be charged X amount of dollars? We've seen, uh, like, horror stories of young new artists just being taken advantage of and being quoted these ridiculous prices. So what I tell artists is think about it, not in terms of music, because what happens is they sort of, they, they don't have any reference point. So, and they feel like, Oh, well, this person wants to work with me. So that feels good. So the price is kind of secondary. Well, of course Mm -hmm. they're going to want to work with you if you can cough up, you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Oh yeah. But you need to think about it like you're not making music. So pretend instead you make shoes and you've never sold a pair of shoes before and you have no customers and no place to bring these shoes to sell them. And somebody comes to you and says, I'll, I'll help you build these shoes, but I'm going to charge you 40,000 US. The first question you would ask yourself is, okay, when am I going to recover that 40,000 US? How many pairs of shoes do I mm-hmm. have to sell? What price? Who can sell these for me? Well, you know, all this kind of stuff, because it starts to make sense when you apply it to something else. Exactly. Like, something else like yeah. anything literally <laughs> anything, anything other, else than other than music <laughs> for or some art. reason with music it's like it goes the out logic the goes like, out bye. Yes. the window all other business logic just seems yes. to float away yeah so like and I, I i get asked these questions like a lot and it's my answer is usually the same and somebody's like you know this so-and-so approached me and it's like you know it's a consulting thing or pr whatever it is whatever you know i'm not picking on any particular part of the industry mm-hmm. but you know they want to charge me like 1500 dollars a month and it's a six month contract. I said great awesome how much money does your music bring in every month well nothing okay so so have you have you done the math on that <laughs> because if your music's not bringing anything what is the what is the ROI like what are you what are you investing in and what yeah. is the what is the tangible thing that's going to be the return on that investment um yeah so when it comes to music just think of it like replace it with something else and then ask yourself the same questions and see how it feels how the answers feel um so there are pros and cons to both approaches home studios and using professionals and a a combination of two often works really well too Mm -hmm. you use your home studio to communicate your song ideas if your engineering producing skills aren't up to snuff for commercial competitive release if that's where you're headed then you can use it to communicate your music ideas, which is easier than explaining music with language. 
Yeah. It's like, could you make it sound a little more, <laughs> what's Michaela's? Could you make it sound a little more underwater? Underwater? <laughs> yeah, that's a little. Uh, yes. I want oh, it to exactly. sound like it's underwater. <laughs> you know, could you make it more blue? <laughs> Which is hard for engineers and producers to oh, yeah. interpret. And I think too, like, if you already have a bunch of the technology that you would need for a home studio and you're really interested or you're just really interested in the behinds of it, then I think it's great to start, you know, collecting kind of your, uh, I don't know, your things, your, your equipment. Thank you. Yes. Oh, gear. Words. Yeah. Gear. Collecting your gear for it, right? <laughs> your, your audio interface, your microphones, all that kind of stuff. Um, and if, especially too, if you like have an ear for what you want your music to sound like, like if you're like, Oh, I'm writing this song and I can hear this type of beat and this kind of instrument and this and that, and you can already hear that production, then I think it's really great to kind of put money and invest in yourself as a producer in that way because you're going to learn a lot of skills. Me, on the other hand, I don't really hear all that. So I have like very basic stuff for, like Tara said, like demoing and kind of getting the idea of what I want the song to sound like. But... I love working with a producer because I don't necessarily yet at least have those, those thoughts where I'm like, Oh, I can hear this instrument doing this and that. And then this comes in and it goes over here and it's going to be underwater. <laughs> and like, I don't have those. And some so people just are very specific about their ideas. Some exactly. artists and some artists really like the collaborative experience yeah. Yeah. with Which, a producer and like bouncing ideas off or hearing other ideas that maybe they didn't think of. Exactly. Which is me. I love working with other people. I love like hearing what their thoughts thoughts are on a song or how to take it to the next level. So I personally always kind of want to work with the producer that way because I love that collaboration, that, that teamwork that goes into it. But if you're like, I know exactly what I want to sound like, I know where that is. And I think it's, I think it'd be great investment for yourself to work on building kind of a home studio. But a lot of the equipment that we have or that you would need for a home studio gets very expensive. So it's also what your budget is. Is your budget something? Do you want to put the money into investing into a home studio and that's what you start working on? Or are you not there yet and you'd rather use the money for this project to work with a producer, get it engineered, all that, learn from them, and then maybe the next project you're like, okay, you know what? As this goes on, I can start investing in purchasing equipment so that for the next project I can do stuff by myself. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed. It's been decided. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I think we're coming to the end of this episode, which means it's trivia time. Sure is. For anyone who's been listening, um, we've been doing (laughs) trivia. Sam's been doing music trivia at the end. Uh, Our first episode of season two was a tie. Second episode, I got ahead. This lady, Jessica Pearson. So it's (laughs) Tara versus Jess. Tara Uh Shannon versus Jessica Pearson. Okay. Yeah, let's see what's going to happen. First one to shout out the answer. Okay. All right. You ready? I can feel the energy in the room just shift. I know. I just cracked cracked all my back. She's ready. I'm like, I'm scared. (laughs) Jess is ready for fight night. You felt this energy's been here all day. She's just now really focused. I'm going to start paying Sam 10 bucks to slip me the the question before our little episodes. 10 bucks? Who do you think I am? $10. Uh, 
dollars. I'm sorry. I've shared a bed with I Sam. I could barely buy a Starbucks coffee, coffee with $10 this nowadays. Is very accurate. <laughs> that is, it's $5 for an Americana. I'm just kidding. I'll do anything for $10. More than that. $10, no, no, I bought like a black decaf Americana. It was five it bucks? Was $5.10. Mm. I would have guessed more. more. That was closer to seven. What did I say? Americana. Yeah, I bought Americana. the genre. <laughs> the black Americana. Oh my god, yeah, that thing. Anyways, okay, Okay, go. Us. I'm ready. I'm All ready, right, I'm ready. here we go. What 1977 disco hit by the nope. Bee Gees was featured prominently in the film Saturday Night Fever? Staying Alive. Oh. Ding, I was ding, just ding. Gonna say that too, That's the up. only song Stand I know up. by the Bee Gees. <laughs> Not the only BG. Well, song the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Montero. <laughs> what one? Oh, there you go. Time. The moment you said 1977, I'm like, Ooh, I have no idea. I love how you counted yourself out, but you, you would have known. known that. I did. Literally, the moment you said Saturday Night Fever, I was like, but then I yeah. went to the Muppets. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I, how your brain jumps, I will never be able to jump. But then I went to the Muppets. There's Treasure Island. There's like Cabin Fever as a song. So then my brain went to Cabin Fever. But then you said Staying Alive. And I was like, wow, wow that was a so it's one, one. nice little detour. <laughs> we're tied. All right, we're we tied, tied up. Tied so up. Tune in next time to find out who moves ahead. Exactly. Mm. And if you have any questions, any comments, uh, anything that you're going through in your own life, with music or we're just interested in the music world the music industry please uh, send us a message and we will feature it on our show uh, but till then we will see you later later I'm Tara Shannon <laughs> yeah the, our beautiful lovely experienced host for you to Tara Shannon uh, co-host Sam Stone Woo-hoo. and myself Jessica Pearson we will see you next week bye bye Thanks for listening to You and the Music Business with Tara Shannon, presented by The Syndicate. This podcast is co-hosted and produced by Jessica Pearson and Sam Stone. For more information on The Syndicate and Tara Shannon, you can go to jointara.com or to grab a copy of Tara's book, You and the Music Business, click the link below. If you have a question, comment, or story you'd like to share, please email admin at syndicatemusic.com or send a message to our Facebook slash Instagram page. Our next episode comes out next Tuesday. See you then. Yeah. From from the studio, live from the studio at the syndicate slash Willow Sound Records features our hosts. Uh, No, everyone's looking at me like I shouldn't be doing this. (laughs) I I was into it.